0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the TJ Bowser Power Hour. This is your host with the motherfucking host, and joining me today is the lovely Amelia Kincaid. Let me bring you up here. Here you go. Oh, it's gonna bring you up here and oh, and boom!
1: Ah, oh, boom! I, I have my special quarantine hair on for you. How do you like it?
2: Looks beautiful.
1: Roots and all. <laughs> I, I look a little bit like a. Like a Guns N' Roses guy.
0: Axel Rose. <laughs> I think you look a lot better than him, though.
1: <laughs> I would hope. I would hope so.
0: So how are you doing today?
1: I'm awesome. You know, I think that uh, it's safe to say we're all starting to feel a little bit like this in yeah. our <laughs> quarantine situations. Yeah. Now, I heard it's, it's snowing where you are. How it, amazing it, is that?
0: It's, it's such a strange time. You know, uh, we're not allowed to leave our homes. It's snowing in April. Uh, everything's just shut down. It's, it's ghost town everywhere you go.
1: Wow. Crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's rough, but we'll get through it. We'll get through it.
1: Yeah. Well, you're very resourceful because you have a way to work from home. Yes. Yes. And I think we're all really expanding our online reach. Mm-hmm. our online skills our online community so that we understand there there were there were better ways to do this all along mm-hmm. and the beautiful thing about these Tj is that we can bring the con to you yeah. we can bring the con to the fans that are stuck at home and they and they don't have to pay all that money to fly somewhere or to put up a, put themselves up in a hotel and i think the second we're all free to do that again we're mm-hmm. gonna go wild
0: yeah it's
1: we're going to go crazy. Like when you pet, it's, pet your dogs out. Yeah. And, yeah. and we have one of the few professions where you can wear a mask in public and still look cool. Yeah. Because I've had Jason, Jason and Freddy's come through my line for the last, you know, 20 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very true. That is very true.
1: <laughs> We're working on the night of the demon's mask, by the way. I, I've already got that. I'm trying to get that done.
0: Yes. I, I think it's time that we all need one honestly at this point Uh, yeah yeah we all need one (laughs) so let's get on with your uh interview here and uh yeah so the first question is can you talk about your special connection to animals and your books
1: wow well that's nice somebody was really generous i just happened to grab this on my way Ah. into this room so this is the newest one that's called whispers from the wild um the first book was called straight from the horse's mouth And I published it in 2001. So it's got the original story of how I discovered that I had abilities that I never dreamt were even possible, not much less were something that I would have. I didn't think it was possible that anybody could have these, Mm -hmm. these abilities. And when I discovered that I had this incredible unique connection with my own intuition, because that's what it is. It's, it's the spirit in you connected to the spirit in that animal. Uh I started working one-on-one really quickly with show horses, animals. I didn't have any contact with, you know, things I had never even heard of before and I started teaching seminars. So the wonderful thing about my downtime here is that I've taught in 27 countries in the last 19 years. Oh, wow. A lot of those countries I'd hit over and over and over and over in one year, like all over Germany, um, all over the UK, Brazil, all over Africa. And this has been downtime that I think I, I honestly needed. And a lot of us are discovering that we needed this time to rest we needed to be able to regroup and rethink what do i want to do next and and how can i do that in a in a more loving and compassionate way you know what's what's happening now is mother nature put the human beings in the corner and told them to stand there with gum on their nose (laughs) and think about the consequences of their actions so this book opens with a A conversation with tigers it was being filmed at the time by the nbc nightly news and i had taken my mentor captain edgar mitchell the astronaut to vouch for me which he did beautifully um a war broke out when it was supposed to air and it never got to air oh no i also talk about my aunt rue of golden girls fame and i tell some very naughty secrets in my tiger chapter And then there's a chapter about lions, elephants, great white sharks, whales, black mamba, and bees. And they're all animals that I've had incredible conversations with. So I've written six books since I starred in these movies. And the two things seem to be very different and separate, but in actuality, they're not. Okay. Because all of my horror movie fans are also into supernatural things. They're the most open-minded people. And in this book in particular, this is the first book where I talk about the the horror movies. It's in the Black Mamba chapter. And I talk about being turned into a snake <laughs> in Demon's stew <laughs> and spending 27 luxurious hours in special effects makeup. No. Steve Johnson had me glued to a teeter-totter, strapped in a trench. And I think I still I still have the world record in Hollywood of how long anyone has suffered in special effects makeup. Oh my. But the is yeah, <laughs> for every animal lover to learn that there is a way to communicate with animals who obviously can't speak English, mm-hmm. but to look at them, you know they're thinking, you know they're feeling. You know that they have pain in their bodies. They have emotions. They have hopes and dreams. They have memories. What's really funny. I I mean, I've done maybe four or 500 radio and TV shows since that first one came out, that first book. And one time I got a DJ and I I would get a lot of DJs that were in New York City. So when I was, when I was having to do these radio interviews from Los Angeles, I would do drive time on your coast. So the 8 a.m. drive time, they're already amped out on coffee. It's 4.45 in the morning. I'm just rolling out of bed. Now, these are going to be the smartest, funniest guys in their hometown that go on to be smart-alecky, funny DJs. So they all think that they're going to make a fool out of me. And In England, they use the expression, to take the piss out of you. and That means they're going to put you on live television and try to make you look like an idiot. And one of these guys, of course, was busy trying to do that. Now, i make them laugh. As soon as I pick up the phone, I'd make them laugh. And I'd say, baby, it's so early the smog isn't even up yet. <laughs> if, if a man's going to wake me up at 4.45, he better have something damn important on his mind. And they'd start laughing. And one of these guys and I were going all these rounds about animals and their level of consciousness, their level of being able to reason, their level of their scope of emotional Uh, capacity. He did his very best in a kickboxing match. And at the end of it, he said, I know you're right. I have to admit, I've been giving you so much crap, but I know you're right. And I said, how do you know I'm right? And he said, because my dog can dream. Okay. He would see the dog having emotions, going through something in her dreams And it was obvious that she's got pictures in her mind. She's got emotions that she's feeling. She's got physical sensations that she's feeling. So, I mean, the big paradigm shift here is not to think, because people always ask me, do you work with animals, just animals, or do you work with people? And I'd say, do you mean other animals? Mm. We're one of five kinds of great apes. We're the one that's gotten the most out of control with our violence and our negativity and our disregard for nature and living in harmony with nature, all the other animals are in perfect harmony and we're the only one that has these massive lessons to learn. But I don't believe we're at the top of anything. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we're at at the top of some intellectual totem pole. If anything, we're at the bottom. (laughs) And It's learning that kind of humility and humbleness that we bring into our conversation when we're trying to determine what's going on with our own dog or cat or horse. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with the Olympic show horses. Um, Dr., uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell and I wrote a book about quantum physics, and that's what Language of Miracles is about. It's about the energetic exchange. That's going on between you and another being that humans just don't know how to pay attention to. When we learn how to pay attention to that energy, then we can read that energy and we can actually receive kind of like x-rays, blueprints that we're learning how to receive as well as send out. The books are also funny. There are also a lot of tears shed. But in this one in particular, and one of the things I wanted to talk to my horror fans about is that in that snake, in the snake and in the shark chapters, because I work with a lot of predators and it's not that I don't love prey animals because I do. I also work with a lot of horses and bunnies and all, and all sorts of hooved animals, giraffe. Um, but. With the predators, I've kind of become a predator specialist, which you would imagine Angela would be because it's what Angela is. And we assign beauty. We assign fear. Now, this really applies to what we're all going through right now with these restrictions on our mobility, with our, our terror about what's going to happen in the future with money and our careers. If we could take a step back And have more command, more control over our thoughts and our emotions. If we could wake up in the morning and we determine how we're going to feel about something, there is no greater teacher than your dog or your cat. They know how to enjoy this planet. They know how to enjoy life no matter what's going wrong. Your dog could have a hurt leg and say, Oh, don't worry about that. Your cat could be dying of cancer and say, Oh, don't worry about that. Let's just, let's have a wonderful time today. Let's, let's play together. Let's be happy. Let's be peaceful. Let's find some new thing to discover, some new adventure. And when they can't do that, and the humans are so stressed out and depressed and upset, then the animals get sick because they can't do their job. And their job is to bring us back into that kind of grace and harmony. But we, I, I if we think that spiders are ugly or we think that snakes are ugly, we decide that we're afraid of great white sharks because they're supposedly so dangerous, which is absolute nonsense. They could kill every person who comes in their ocean, and they have the right to do that, the way we've treated their oceans and the way we're treating them. And we assign what we think of is beautiful and what is scary and what is ugly and what is worth saving and what is justifiable to step on it or to kill it or to turn your other to turn your head when it's being poached. So a lot of this book is also about the charity work that I do in Africa. I go into the schools and I dance with the kids. We draw elephants, we make up plays about poachers and protectors and we dance as elephants. I do it with the lions in South Africa. I've done it with the gorilla in Rwanda. I had 180 orphans outside a church outside who had never had a crayon in their hands in their lives had never had a piece of paper in their lives and we drew gorilla we talked about gorillas families and feelings because the gorillas are being sold for bush meat it's gross and the elephants are getting poached for ivory all of this all of the poachers are controlled by the chinese mob And the little pangolins, little anteaters that I went to Zimbabwe to protect in 2018 are being uh, targeted as the possible cause. It might not be bats. It might be these anteaters that had a very similar, 99% identical coronavirus. I love all creatures. I love the scary ones. I love the scaly ones. I love the dangerous ones. I love the ones that everybody else thinks is ugly. I identify with them. And I think that's part of what Angela represents. I think Angela is, is the will to survive. You know, it's, it's a survival instinct that you've got this, this goddess that can't be killed, but it's completely indestructible and her authority is undeniable. And so, in a way, I'm representing the destructive aspects of Mother Nature, the collie aspects. But what was so phenomenal is that I I have fans. I mean, everywhere I go, I've got fans showing up with tattoos of me on their body. Online, all the time, new fans, new fans. And they've got tattoos of me on their body. They very rarely pick the glamour makeup. They pick the possession makeup. <laughs> and There's something beautiful about this. You know, there's something about this that struck a chord in people so deeply. And every time I say, What on earth is it? Why do you have a tattoo of me on your chest? They can never, they can't tell me they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, TJ, are you, you're a fan of these movies? Yes. yes. What do you like about them?
0: I, I like the art in it all. I like the amount of effort that goes into <sighs> it all. Yeah, I like the art of it all.
1: What an incredibly cool thing to say.
0: I think that the 80s horror films provide a very specialized uh, way of portraying film, especially horror films. It's It's a very unique style of art that will never be replicated.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, we could try, couldn't we? Yeah, right. <laughs> we could try.
0: So uh, the second question for you is what led to you playing a lot of dance-related roles throughout your career?
1: It's the only reason I took the roles. When I saw the dance solo in the Night of the Demons 1 script, mm-hmm. that's when I knew I had to do it. And I, I said, I'll do it on one condition. You let me do whatever I want. And that kind of dancing I was doing in my apartment every night. That was my normal how I wind down. I still do it. <laughs> I still do. It. I'll always do it, you know, with my animal students, my, my people who have animals, not the animals that are students. So it's like a dog who gets in the, the, the river you know where a dog goes for a swim they shake themselves off when they get out and that's how I shake myself off from all of the muggle slime that I've encountered all day out in <laughs> the muggle world so it, it's just a way for me to just get myself clean and clear and reconnect to the fire within me <laughs> and that enthusiasm that spark of creativity and wildness Mm -hmm. it's wildness once again what, what this is about wildness you know we think of wildness as being animals that are out of control and wildness is actually living in harmony with all that you are with all these different puzzle pieces you know it's that rebellious fire that outcast spirit that that Willingness to not fit in, and when I did those dances, it it wasn't and still isn't what anything what anybody else is doing. You know, yeah, it was an it was the cleanest expression of who I am as an artist. I think that has ever been captured on film, and everybody knows it. They they aren't able to articulate it, but they know that the demons one dance is the closest thing to my soul stripped down. It's just raw joy. It's passion and power. And um, I was frustrated as a dancer because I had come from Interlochen Arts Academy. If anybody is in Michigan, you're going to know what this is. Where We danced all day, six days a week. So it was an arts academy that was for uh, mu- musical prodigies primarily. We had all 50 states represented. We have over 50 countries represented. Suzuki violinists who were brilliant, genius kids. And I was a dance major. And I came out to Hollywood and lived with my Aunt Rue, who said to me, Mimi, you're going to be an actress. And I said, No, no, not. <laughs> no I'm not. I'm not going to be an actress. I don't want to be an actress. You're going to be an actress. This is Blanche on the Golden Girls. I went, oh boy. I really didn't want to do anything but dance because that's where I could express myself without any restrictions. And then I found that there were restrictions. I was always at the mercy of somebody else's choreography. I was always at the the mercy of somebody who was going to cut the dance numbers out and they end up on the editing room floor. And when I saw that I would have a dance solo, I went, okay, I, I think I can do this. I think i think I got to do this. And then in Demons 2, I based it on an old movie called Hair. And it, there's a scene where the head of the hippies is interrupting a garden party. And he jumps on the table. And he starts this wild dance. And he's just kicking all the food off. He's kicking off all these antique teacups. And it's it's a riot. It's so much fun. So all three movies, I got to choreograph myself and just go crazy. Mm-hmm. But then I think that's really what was the the um, success of these films, that everybody knows how much fun we were having. Yeah. Because when you're working on a low budget, you think no one's ever going to see it. We all thought, oh, this will be gone in a couple of weeks. It doesn't matter. They're going to sweep this under the rug. We can do whatever we want. And so we all went really, really wild. And I think what you're saying about the art, the art as a collaborative effort, Mm -hmm. our VP was brilliant. Kevin Tenney did a phenomenal job. Steve Johnson did an outrageous job. And everyone who contributed, Kevin Tenney's brother, who, who wrote the score, everyone who contributed thought, ah, no one's ever going to see this. This is nothing. I'm get, going to get paid nothing. I think I'll just go for it and throw in my wildest, most creative thing. I mean, this is, what we all did. And that's, and look how it turned out.
0: Very phenomenal. Very unique.
1: You know, we're having fun. Mm-hmm. It wasn't some massive budget thing where the actors are so tight to squeak. Because they're they're under an iron fist, mm-hmm. something to be said for not getting paid much for what you do.
0: Earlier, you said uh, someone referred to you as Mimi. Uh, about half your career you went as Mimi Kincaid. Why is that?
1: It was my name as a dancer. It was a childhood wow. nickname.
0: Awesome. Uh, what was it like working on uh, my best friend as a vampire?
1: Oh, it was fun. Um, I think you know all of those movies were really fun, really kind of camp and splashy and creative. That was a little tiny role mm-hmm.
0: uh, you played Vivian in the series The Young and the Restless for six episodes. Can you tell me I your sure did. that
1: i I sure did, and see that's the flip side of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They throw money at you. You make a pile of money when you're on a soap opera and it's hard. I'd come home and there would be a stack of six scripts on the, the ground in front of my doorstep. And you're up all night trying to memorize lines. It's high pressure. My storyline was a bunch of people that didn't get along. And I mean, in real life and were not fun to be around. And when you've got that much pressure and you're trying to work, it's really difficult. It it showed me how much fun we had on Demons because the cast, I mean, now we're best friends. We got along great then. We get along better now. We've become even better friends because the conventions have pulled the whole cast back together. And we adore each other. There's not one bad apple in the group. We just love each other. And the soap Fortunately, I got to play a villain, as always. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have ever been cast as a good girl. I'm just not the run of the mill <laughs> cheerleader running around topless getting killed. I'm doing the killing, and I, I'm always doing the killing in everything I do. So there's, all, there's no more fun role than the, than the villain. The villainess, that's the role to have. It's the most fun.
0: Okay, so uh, can you talk about your experience working on Roadhouse?
1: Oh, somebody just... I had a Facebook friend just say something about Patrick Swayze. And I said, you know, yeah, here I was in the crowd scene. Mm-hmm. And this is what would happen. This is what I mean with dancers. You don't see me in that movie. I got to dance in a crowd scene and we got to dance, but you don't see it. And Patrick was so incredibly talented. There wasn't an actor that was more loved in all of Hollywood Everyone who knew him adored him and he could do everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had seen him and his wife who also was one of the best dancers in the world do a very, very private show, just the two of them together. And now I realized how lucky I was to see that, to mm-hmm. have that time to really get to see him up close. So he was such a marvelous performer and a wonderful person. So, there were those things where I, I got to work with some people and you never see it. I was a backup dancer for Cher, and you, you didn't see that. No. I did one of her rock videos. I used to, Donna Summer flew me around in a helicopter. This was one of the highlights of my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I double booked two jobs and I was doing some sort of rock video or TV show or something while I was on tour with Donna. It was her comeback tour. She flew me in a helicopter and landed on the stage of the Greek theater. You're
2: talking about rock
1: star Oh my gosh. And I did a solo in front of 10,000 screaming people at Universal Lambeth Theater, and they were doing encore after encore after encore. Now, Donna was one of the purest talents you could ever imagine. She'd wake up in the morning, come in before she had a cup of coffee. Pick up that mic and start wailing like a choir of angels. <laughs> but her voice, without anything else added to it, was as good as it was when they would lay down 23 tracks. Mm-hmm. She was just a class act.
0: That's awesome. So, uh, what are some of the influences for your portrayal of uh, Angela?
1: Well, you're going to love this. Um, I didn't have any. Okay. Okay. It wasn't an intellectual effort. I didn't go into this thinking, who can I mimic? Yeah. It came from me. It was me. She's me. She's a part of me. And I was playing myself. I think if there were anybody that I could have said I had seen a film before that that really impacted my portrayal, mm-hmm. it would have been um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: Ah, okay. That's that's a great answer.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. So I, you- I was a
1: female version of him. You know what? Of Tim.
0: I can actually see that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Uh with Angela, can you talk about the makeup process?
1: Oh boy. So in the beginning, the the makeup that gets us here. Yes. And I I am selling a few of these posters. I'm gonna talk about these right at the very end of this interview. Mm-hmm. The makeup that got us to here took about five and a half to six hours. Now, that was applied in pieces, Mm -hmm. so the prosthetics were glued to our face after we'd been plaster casted with with little straws up our nose (laughs) that I hope I don't ever have to do again. I hope there are easier ways in the future. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm -hmm. Drop a little wicked... Glim- glimmer of hope into, my, into the hearts of my fans. Ah. In the future, I don't want to have to do it that way. <laughs> so the plaster cast it was, is so terrifying that Billy Gallo flipped out midway and made them rip it off his face. Oh my. Your eyes are covered, your mouth is covered, your nose is covered, and this thing starts to harden on your face. Mm. Then they have the cast. Now, they pour the plastic type of, I don't know if you call it plastic, you know, when they're making the prosthetics. They pour that in there and they they create all these different pieces. They would glue them on one by one by one. What made this look so scary, and the reason that the fangs pop out like that and protrude like that so much, mm-hmm. um, Steve Johnson had our prosthetics connected to Velcro. And we would put our heads back and he would Velcro our cheeks so that they're pulled like this. And that's why you've got that terrifying, big, open mouth. The first time you see that is when Linnea Quigley's head is back and she's the first one to get possessed. Mm -hmm. And she drops her head down and you see this outrageously scary thing. So... That was really uncomfortable, really, really not fun. And then Steve would peck away in our face for about five hours painting us multiple uh, pairs of fangs. There were in the snake scene in Demons 2, there were two contacts in each eye. That was miserable. That hurt and was awful. And he would come up to me and say, don't cry, don't cry. You're going to you're going to smear your makeup. So it was really hard, and it was hard to get it off. Mm -hmm. We would shoot all night, and then in the morning, it would take an hour and a half to peel it off our faces. By that time, believe me, we just wanted to go home. One time, Hal Havens was almost in tears, begging to let them sleep in his makeup so that he didn't have to go through it all and do it again the next day. See, and they they don't film in sequence of who's in possession makeup. They Mm -hmm. were filming in sequence of what room was set by the uh, set designer. So that, so that means we would have to do the possession makeup, next day do glamour makeup, next day do possession, then do glamour, then do possession. And there was one point in Demons 3 where my attorney had to call and say she can't come to work because I called him crying. And and she said he said there are open, bleeding sores on Amelia's face. She can't work. They couldn't make up over it. So it was brutal. Mm. By the time we get to this level, this is nine hours, because here, the hot slime on half of my body, that red slime, after I've been burned, mm-hmm. took another three hours minimum to get all that on me. Wow. So I hope you all think it was worth it, damn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely looks The part. Uh, So, what is your favorite scene you've done in the Night of the Demons films?
1: Oh, there are many. There are many. I can be incredibly vain and say it's the dance scene in -hmm. Demons One because it is. Okay. It just is. I think one of the fun ones to watch is the roller skates when I'm on the roller skates coming down the hall. <laughs> I know I was on roller skates yeah. and I know somebody just pushed me and I went, ah, and it was so <laughs> scary. And it wasn't scary at all when I did it. Aside from the fact I didn't want to wipe out and have my crinolines, you know, my hoop skirt get stuck in the wheels of my skates. Mm-hmm. But there were other times where I, I enjoyed working with the different actors. We've been joking. I put something up about uh, in Demons 2 where I am sitting on top of Darren Hames shagging him to death. Death by shag. I can't say I didn't enjoy that. I enjoyed every second of that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, Darren Hames was fabulous. And I think just, you know, being with the whole cast was wonderful, being with all of them. And in retrospect, I mean, one of the ways it ties into the work that I do as an intuitive and with the animals and I was in the 100 Top Psychics in America within a couple of months after I started practicing professionally. And to my knowledge, I'm the only psychic ever to be invited to Buckingham Palace, by the Queen to work with her horses. Or to be hired by the richest man in the world and flown to Vienna and Rome to make sure his show horse won the gold in the launching global championships. And I made sure that happened. But in Demons Mm -hmm. 1, I was playing a psychic. Mm -hmm. I was leading a seance. And I wasn't a bad girl. In -hmm. the beginning, I was the voice of reason. I was the one saying, don't do this. We shouldn't be doing this. This house isn't haunted. It's possessed. So I started out being the voice of caution. And then I was the one who who got it and then got to share it. Awesome. <laughs> Equally distributed. Kind of like a herpes virus.
0: <laughs> so on the flip side of that question, what was the most difficult scene to film in the Night of the Demons films?
1: Uh, the one that I am most proud of, and that's the snake scene in Demons 2.
0: Okay. Fair enough. That's
1: and, and you- it it doesn't get as much attention as mm-hmm. the first film. But that snake scene in Demons 2, I mean, to this day, I can watch it and I scare myself. I don't even recognize myself. I don't look remotely human. And I know how backyard barbecue ranky day the filming was. Yeah. With Steve Johnson tied my tail to a piece of dental floss and is floating <laughs> it around the, the room and you don't see the dental floss. So I knew what we were doing when it was happening. But it's wonderfully scary, I think. Yeah. I still think it's one of the best special effects scenes in any movie that's ever been done. So what is your favorite story
0: from the set of uh, any of the Demons films? Like your top story ever?
1: Oh, I think, and I've told this so many times, and it's just when Phil Tanzini had his arm missing, he had a bloody stub and this was back in the day where it was still legal to go in public with your prosthetic and horror makeup on. It's not anymore. (laughs) They actually passed the law about it because people could have a heart attack and die. No, literally, for real. And um, they went to a, they went and drove through, I think it was he and Hal were hungry, and they drove through a Burger King or something early in the morning. And and Phil Tanzini pulls up to the, the window with a bloody stub and his arm missing. And almost gave the girl a total nervous breakdown, which is why it's illegal now, because you can have yeah. a heart attack and die. I didn't get to have any part of that fun, but I get to hear about it.
0: Yes, yes. So, final question for you, Amelia. What's your favorite memory from a convention so far? And what has your experience with the horror community been like?
1: Oh, gosh. That's so difficult to narrow it down to one. I mean, it's those of us that are really biased that keep saying horror fans are the best fans in the world. Mm-hmm. But they are. They are. I mean, one time I had a Marine come up to me in tears and say he was getting stationed in Iraq. He could take one movie and he took Night of the Demons. Wow. More recently, I had a guy come up to me at a con and said he was in ICU in the hospital and he was dying. He binge watched Night of the Demons and had a full recovery. So the tattoos always knock me out. The stories are really bittersweet. They're really heartbreaking about child abuse and things going on in the other room when my fans would go hide in their bedroom and binge watch the movie over and over and over and that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about that kind of ferocity and this is also why i love predators so much it's not that they can't kill me it's that they choose not to
2: Ah. you're
1: not going to work with a A tiger who's a man eater and a half. I flew to to Africa to translate for a tiger that was going to be killed because he attacked John Vardy, his, his keeper. When that animal chooses not to hurt you, Mm -hmm. it's because you deserve it. When I'm face to face with that black mamba and she chooses to spare my life and I'm, I'm looking certain death in the eyes with the most dangerous snake in Africa. I was well within her striking distance. But then it's because you earned it. You earned their love and respect. You deserve it. And it's something really incredible with the horror movie uh, fans that we have this deep, deep love for each other. And if I've earned that respect... I couldn't be prouder than I am. I couldn't love them any more than I do. The hardest part about this quarantine is not being able to go to the cons. Mm -hmm. The fans are climbing the walls. We're all climbing the walls. And I just can't wait for us all to be able to break loose. we They may not be in my arms the way they usually are. We might have to have our special horror masks on. But I can't wait to see them again.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this has been an excellent conversation we've had here. This is thank you. Uh is there anything you would like to say uh, before we wrap things up here?
1: I think I just I would like to say that this 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 quarantine for me feels like a time to plant a seed into a very dark deep place mm-hmm. I and mean, when a seed gets planted it's dark for quite a while and the seed feels very very alone until it reaches some water water reaches the seed it starts to sprout before long that seedling is seeking the sun I mean, how would it even know which direction to grow in it knows the sun is up there somewhere and it's seeking sunlight and that little seed reaches the 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 open air and grows and grows until it becomes a sapling and then it grows until it becomes a tree and then all of a sudden it's huge and it's strong and the storms come and the winds come and it doesn't break under pressure this is a time because so many of my fans are artists artists of all different different genres whether it's fashion or writing or music or screenwriting or filmmaking. It's a time to really harbor that that little seed that maybe never got planted Mm -hmm. and allow something beautiful to come out of this time. Even if that's an old relationship we're rekindling, we're reaching out to people that we've lost touch with or family members that we've lost touch with or maybe relationships where we needed to sort out problems that weren't that were never brought to light it. This time can be used so constructively. Mm-hmm. And I just really feel like that when I, when I tune in the, the message I hear is relish this because it's not going to last very long.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, if fans would like to receive autographs from you during this you. rough time, how do they do Thank so?
1: You. Well, you can go to my Facebook page. I've got one more week. And then I'm going to drive out to New Mexico. I can't guarantee I'm going to be able to get to the post office from New Mexico because I'll be staying with my mom who's 80 and they're real, real tight about their quarantine. I would never sneak out to a post office and jeopardize her life. So we're on a time crunch here. I've got a few of these mm-hmm. and I'm selling these for 45 Or two for 60. So you've got a much better deal if you get two for 60. I've got a few of the horror. I've got a lot of these. I call this one pretty in pink. (laughs) I've got a lot of these. So I call, let me get it in the right frame. This is called the Kiss. I've got another beautiful one that I call the crown that I left in the car because I was excited. These are some fan art that I that are really catching on. <laughs> there she is with her Starbucks. Gotta gotta have her morning cup of demon Joe. Here she is with her evening beverage. <laughs> For those of you who are not drinking martinis and cocktails at this moment, her blue slushie. I've got a lot of these. I call this one knock, knock knock, them dead. That's when I fell off the roof in Demons too. Mm-hmm. I was very temporarily dead, or so I appeared to be. <laughs> so these, again, they're 45 of them They're in the U.S. I'm going to throw in the packaging and the postage, and I would need you to PayPal it to info at ameliakinkade.com. And spell my name right. Or it's not going to get to me. So it's A-M-E-L-I-A-K-I-N-K-A-D-E. I've got just a few of these, like maybe five more. These, this is the size of the poster. And these are 65, but I'll throw in a free picture. They have to be packaged in special envelopes so they don't get beat up along the way. And then these are 110. And this is a gorgeous painting created by Nate Michaels. So it was actually a vendor at a con, and I fell in love with one of his paintings. I saw that he had done the Cowardly Lion there, and I came unglued and asked him if he would paint me. So again, those are 110. I've only got a few of them. And if I get it soon, then off I'll go to the post office before I leave for New Mexico. Now, this is one of six books. If you go to my website, which is my name, AmeliaKinke.com, you can read about them, and you can go to my Amazon page if you put in Amelia Kinke books. Otherwise, you're going to get horror stuff popping up on Amazon. And most importantly, with the animal work, I just took $400 off of my online school. So it dropped from eight ninety five dollars to three ninety five. dollars That site is called Language of Miracles Institute. It's the name of my second book, languageofmiraclesinstitute.com. With that, you get 52 45-minute audio lessons. You can download them at your leisure. You have a whole year of content, 365 texts coming to your phone every day. They're positive affirmations to get you in touch with the more powerful part of your soul, 365 affirmations coming to your phone for you and your animal. We are cutting edge at the top of technology here. I've got those texts going to Hong Kong, Brazil, South Africa, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico, Switzerland, France, Germany, England, Ireland, all over the world. So if you want to join that, this coming week is a live webinar and next week is a live webinar And I'll throw those in for free. So you get that on top of it all. So whether you're an animal lover or a horror lover or both, I hope I'm going to be able to provide a lot of content and ways to blow your mind that are not only entertaining, but educational.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Amelia. I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Thank you for giving me something to do today. I've had a feeling that you would be wonderful, and you are.
0: thank you so much. It means the world to me.
1: Thank you for having me. All right, fans, I'll see you online. Go to my Facebook page, and let me move some pictures so I don't starve to death. My my quarantine is starting to look more more and more like whole house every day. (laughs) I need all the help I can get
0: okay guys head on over to Amelia's Facebook and pick up some autographs support her and everything she does also she has Instagram too you can just search Amelia Kincaid and you can find her on there as well
1: fantastic thank you TJ
0: thank you I will play here put you there okay guys I will play a message from our sponsors and be right back And what's up guys? I hope you enjoyed that chat with Amelia Kincaid. That was such an awesome interview. I can definitely mark her off the bucket list for interviews on this show. It was such a wonderful chat that we were able to sit there and uh, have her kind of explain her special connection with animals and her abilities to uh, communicate with animals on a very different level than all of us. Uh, we're all big fans of the Night of the Demons franchise. And I think if you guys, uh, I think I think Shout Factory has uh, some special release editions of those. So go on on over and pick those up. Uh, Raise Energy, proud sponsor of the TJ Bowser Power Hour. We just showed the commercial there for the new flavor, Voodoo. It is fantastic. Use code POWERHOUR for a sweet discount on all Raise Energy products and also over on repsports.com. Myself, this quarantine, you know, Things are only as bad as you make them. With this quarantine, I've been using the time, all the free time, to play Resident Evil. I've been playing all the Resident Evil games. Uh, I've recently gone through Resident Evil 2. I've held off on 3 as I started a playthrough of 4 recently and playthrough of 6. I know I probably should play them in some sort of linear order, but I'm not about that life. And I'm certainly not going to start anytime soon. I love those games. Upon playing Resident Evil 2, I kind of got this really heavy level of nostalgia for that game due to the fact of playing it on the PlayStation 1 when I was younger. And I can tell you that whenever the zombie crawls underneath that one barricade, it scared the shit out of me the first time. And when I replayed it as an adult, it again scared the shit out of me. Capcom, you're doing a wonderful job on these remakes. I would love... To see Resident Evil 4 remade with a modern engine. Resident Evil 3 was great. I got to play the 30, no, the 45 minute demo. Nemesis kicked my ass, of course. Uh, but man, love those games. I'm going to try Resident Evil Relev- Revelations next. Yeah, that, that, that game, that looks pretty good. I'm a big fan of Dead Space franchise too. I play those every once in a while. Uh, Dead Space 1 through 3, all those games are really fun. And the little animated films that they had there were great. Now, Last episode, we had Nick Benson, Lisa Wilcox, and Mick on. Sorry for all the technical difficulties for that. with that episode. Uh, sometimes things just don't work out as planned. But as you can see with this episode, things were a little bit more polished, a little bit more refined. The episode kind of went a lot more as planned. And I think that this is going to be the normal format for episodes moving forward. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, I will try to incorporate more fan questions in future episodes. And uh, have you guys more part of the show? Uh, normally, I'd have a guest on for the second part, one of my buddies. But today, I just kind of wanted to fly solo and talk to all you guys directly. Thank you guys for uh, supporting the Do Back Discussion Network. It's been my baby for the last two and a half years now. I've kind of put my heart and soul into this thing. You know, back in in 2018, when I kind of made this my uh, New Year's resolution to kind of like really change something and bust ass on something i think i've managed to do that we're averaging you know on the network 123,000 listeners a month you know that's putting us on track to 100 a 100 well 1. 1.4 million plays This year alone on all of our shows, we have 10 wonderful shows on the podcasting network. And that is all because of my listeners. You guys out there are awesome. All the support you show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, on our website, our traffic levels are at the highest. I know that could be due to the pandemic and everything, but that's all because you guys show support for the network. You show support for me. You show support for my guys. You show support for everything you buy t-shirts it's it's appreciated and it's i mean it's why the network continues to go without the listeners without the supporters it wouldn't happen so thank you guys thank you for tuning in to these shows uh next episode i don't know who i have in mind yet uh, i could have linnea quigley on could have paul taylor on i don't know it all depends on who uh i can line up do who represent randon lane that's right buddy uh yeah, there's other podcasts other than just the TJ Bowser Power. We'll talk about that briefly. Uh, if you go on over to dobackdiscussion.net, click on that little podcast tab and you'll see that drop-down menu. All that drop-down menu right there. You can see Rants from the Black Lodge hosted by Brandon Lane. That's right. Uh, Brody Kane says, love your work, mate. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. That is my doppelganger, kanglebanger from Victoria, Australia. The guy looks just like me, except a little gingy and you're going to australian but uh other podcasts wicked wednesdays wake and bake jerk the curtain Gorenmore. Moore wow that's my other show uh a whole bunch of shows whole bunch of shows on there lots of content uh uploaded daily i want to say if i can get to it it's all all depends on when i can get to this stuff uh i got a package today from vinegar syndrome they sent me six blu-rays uh blood harvest Blood hook. I just got done watching Pledge Night. Fantastic film. Hilarious, crazy special effects. And the main villain was just over the top insane, like this fucking hippie dude. And the cool thing is, is the whole movie was scored by Anthrax and Joey Belladonna was actually in the film. So it's just like so fucking gnarly. And if you guys are able to go over and pick up the Vinegar Syndrome uh, release of Pledge Night, go do it. Highly recommend it. It is a fantastic film. Uh, But yeah. Don't got much, guys, going on other than future episodes of said show here, guys. Share this around. Post, you know, when this is over. Share this around. Post it on Facebook. Uh, Get this show out to a new audience because this isn't only about horror films. This could be about anything. Maybe I'll have wrestlers on next week. Maybe next week I'll have a Power Ranger. I don't know. The whole point of the Power Hour... Was to not just be horror, was to talk to whoever the fuck I want and to kind of explore. Joy Bellman no, 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 is in Pledge. Yes, he is. Uh, is to explore different avenues of my fandom that are just not horror. Uh, I'm a huge Power Ranger, Sans Super Sentai, Beach Trooper, that type of content, I love that stuff. And I would love to have Power Rangers on here. I'd love to have Beetleborg actors on here. I would love to have the opportunity to do that. And I think in the position that I am in my career, that I'm able to go out and do that now. I mean, I just had Amelia Kincaid on. I mean, that's a pretty big milestone in my mind uh, for me personally. I think that moving forward, I'm going to start reaching higher and making these episodes a higher quality for all you guys, because I know it's worth it. And I know that you guys will repay me tenfold. So... Another thing is, uh, Wake and Bake should be doing a new episode tomorrow, Jerry the Curtain as well. Rabbit Hole, not sure whenever that's going to come out, but I will be dropping audio only version of a new episode of rabbit hole featuring Mark Sostrom, the special effects man on films like evil dead two and men in black. We had a very wonderful discussion with him and I got to talk with him about the film, the mutilator, uh, AKA fall break. And he got to talk about the special effect when he got to put the fishing gaff and the girl's vagina. What a special effect, what a scene and what a fucking movie guys that is uh highly recommended 10 out of 10, the mutilator, but guys, thank you for tuning in. We're going to wrap up this episode of the TJ Bowser Power Hour. Shout out to Corey Kaufman for... I love to see any of the actors from that. Sometimes they come back. Okay, I can see what I can do there. Thank you for uh, tuning in, Jessica Franco. Shout out to Corey Kaufman for the graphics. In this show, shout out to Brody Kane for all the animations and the intro, outro. And of course, the music, Brian Brody Kane and Heath Helsing. Love you guys. Those are my hellions from the Jason goes to hell fan group. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the TJ Bowser power hour. This is your host with the motherfucking most signing off. Roll that outro. Motherfucker. Boo.